On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, is compo culture out of control? The former judge, Nicholas Kearns, he's head of the Personal Injuries Commission. He said anyone who denies there's a compensation culture is like in the Flat Earth Society or a climate change denier. And Judge Michael Coughlin in the Dublin District Court said it's high time that people got the idea if you have a bad experience, to expect money from a third party has to stop. Who is profiting from this scorched compensation climate? There are certainly fraudulent claims. There are certainly exaggerated claims. But what has really stirred up the storm in this area over the last 15 years or so is the massive amounts of money uh, that can be made from very minor uh, fully recovered injuries and we are an outlier to the rest of the world on this. How widespread is fraud and has anything at all been done to crack down on it? Insurers will be insurers and they have an obligation to their shareholders to make as much profit as possible. Uh, lawyers are business people at the end of the day and again they have a 350 million euro pass to protect and that's going to be their first priority. So the only people who can make real change in this area are government. I'm Fiona Chain, and joining me today on the Indo Daily to discuss the crisis and how compo culture affects businesses and household insurance premiums are Amy Malloy, social affairs correspondent with the Irish Independent, and Pat McDonough, founder and CEO of Supermax. A major investigation is to be launched into the public liability insurance market by the country's competition watchdog, the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission. Soaring premiums have been blamed for putting business and festivals at risk. Emmy, when we're talking about compo culture now, what do we mean by that in 2022? Yeah, so compo culture is something which has been uh, quite a topical subject over the last five years. You know, we've seen a lot of businesses and people complaining about high insurance costs and a lot of them have kind of linked it back to the fact that people in Ireland just seem to be um, very willing to claim um, in, and in some cases, for instance, where there was kind of minor injuries suffered. Um, and, you know, it's something that the Irish Independent have really highlighted a lot over the last few years um, through different investigations. Um, we've kind of highlighted, you know, how insurers are making huge profits off the back of, of compo culture. But at the same time, we're seeing how kind of certain members of the, the legal and medical professionals have also been almost encouraging people to, to bring claims Um I suppose it's just a, a case where now people think Ireland is kind of becoming a bit like America. You know, 
in America, you'd be driving down the highways and you'd see these advertisements where it's like, you know, dial 9102-304 if you've been involved in an accident. And I think there's fears that that kind of ambulance chasing kind of climate has has crept in here in recent years. Um now, obviously, there's been a big push on the government to try and do something about this. And we have seen some reforms come about in, in the last couple of years. We've seen perjury legislation introduced for the first time, which means anybody who lies in an affidavit about injuries could face prosecution uh, and even jail. We've seen, you know, I suppose there's, there's been attempts to kind of tackle insurance costs and we've seen motor insurance costs come down for the first time in a number of years lately. Um, but I think it's something that's still there. Um, and it's very much an issue for a lot of business and a lot of people who kind of feel like, you know, they're just liable in cases where they haven't actually done anything wrong. And I think that there are also kind of efforts to try and kind of stop that. And the government have recently said they're looking to reform the duty of care so that business owners and, you know, like people who invite people into their homes aren't going to be found liable in a case where they've actually done nothing wrong. And, you know, I suppose Compaculture is just about highlighting that, you know, that. So sometimes it's not always someone's fault if an accident happens. And I think we need to get that kind of across, you know, that you, you don't have to sue for every little thing that happens in life. You mentioned the comparisons with, with the United States, but are, are we at odds with our, our European counterparts? Is there, is there a, a particular culture, if you, if you pardon the pun, in Ireland that is not prevalent in the continent? Yeah, like I, I think I, I've heard of places like Greece where, you know, if you injure yourself in a pothole there, you, you've no right to claim whatsoever. Um, I've spoken with Peter Boland, who's director of the Alliance for Insurance Reform, a lobby group who's been really campaigning to try and get insurance costs down over the last few years. And he said, you know, um, particularly in Ireland, like businesses in the adventure and leisure sector are really struggling to get cover at the moment. And when people in, in this area are meeting with kind of stakeholders from European countries, they're almost being laughed at when they're telling them about the issues they're having here getting insurance because other people in other European countries just can't understand why like Ireland businesses here can't get cover for businesses that have a little bit of, of risk and activity involved. So I think we, we've even seen in England, you know, when you, over the years, when you compare the payouts between us and, and the UK, they're quite staggeringly different. Um, I think Ireland had one of the highest payouts for whiplash in Europe and over the last 10 years as well. And I suppose like we are kind of at, at a risk of being in the on the American side of things where everything's kind of very, you know, kind of about ambulance chasing and feeling like you should should claim for every little thing. What about the legal system then? How, how does it work? So I, I take a fall on a street or, or inside a shop. Where do I go from from there? And how how does how does the system operate? And who does it benefit? <laughs> There's a very famous episode of Only Fools and Horses where Uncle Albert falls down the stairs and Del Boy runs over to him and says, "Quick, quick, call a solicitor." Um, and I think some people. Envisage that's what the the legal system can be like in Ireland when it comes to personal injury claims, where it's more about calling the solicitor than actually calling the doctor. But I suppose 
in in recent years, I think there like we've seen some cases come before the courts where people have actually nearly contacted solicitors before they've gone to get, get medical help regards regards a claim. Um, but you know, if you have an injury, if you like fall fall in a pothole or something, obviously you're meant to go to your GP, get a diagnosis or whatever if, if you've suffered injuries. Um, and then I suppose after that, then some some people if they feel like they were injured because of someone else's um, negligence or where someone else was in the wrong that they, they feel like they might then go and contact a solicitor um, and it was like it's a process which can take up to like five years you know as well and it can be very time consuming um, but that's why the the injuries um, board was introduced into Ireland because it was seen as a, a way of kind of speeding up the claims when people have injuries and, and a way of reducing legal costs because um, obviously a, a lot of the personal injury claims were actually taken on a no-win, no-fee basis um, in Ireland, so as not to kind of exclude people from not being able to take legal action because they can't afford to do so. But it's a very kind of complicated process, I suppose. Um, and I think in recent years, we've seen less cases co- come before the courts um, and we've seen a lot of cases actually being settled in the background. So for years, we've kind of been in in the dark about the level of claims actually happening in Ireland. And I think that's why a lot of people have been sceptical Um you know, unless something comes before the court or whatever, you don't really know the details of it because um, they aren't, they're very rarely published. And I, I suppose people have always wondered how, how many claims are actually being settled in the background and at what cost to the taxpayer. So there's a lot of kind of moving parts when it comes to Ireland's personal injury system. And there are certain parts of it where there's been a, a spotlight shone on it um, because there are questions about, you know, what it's actually doing in terms of kind of bringing about a compo culture in Ireland. What sort of patterns have you noticed developing over the the past couple of years uh, in relation to to compensation claims? Um, It's it's, it's a hard question to answer, I suppose. Um, Patterns. um, I don't know really, like, because, you know, over the last couple of years with COVID, um, a lot of people weren't going out. We, We saw motor insurance costs have come down hugely because people weren't on the roads um, and then obviously we've had the judicial guidelines which were introduced and you know they were introducing a bit to try and kind of lower the awards being given out for minor injuries um, and you know we've had the injuries board come out I haven't got the the figures to hand here now but they've come out and said there's been a huge reduction in personal injury claims over the last year year or two and a huge reduction in payouts Um like that's all very well and good, I suppose, but then we're still seeing these court cases being published where like Johnny or Mary's gone down the play centre, they've had a bit of a fall and they got a bit of a scar and the the high court decides oh look sure look we'll give them forty or fifty grand. Um so even though there has been a lot of efforts made to try and reduce kind of the number of claims being brought before the courts and stuff we are still seeing these kind of cases which are having a negative impact across the whole industry you know it's been well uh, publicized how play centers and and businesses in the leisure center in the leisure industry are really struggling to get covered at the moment and then when you read a case about a kid getting 35 grand because they simply fell while in a play center you understand why that is um I recently interviewed Richie O'Hara, he's owner of Bay Sports in Athlone, one of the biggest kind of outdoor water activity centres in Ireland. And he sent me on um, his recent insurance quote and, you know, it was for €100,000. Like, that's mad money. Like when he first started out 20 years ago, he said he, he was paying, I don't know, six or seven grand or something. Now he's paying €100,000, you know, and you'd have to have a lot of people coming through your gates to try and make that money back. Um, but 
like you said, when you're doing that, you're also taking a risk because someone can come in, they can have a slip or a fall, and then you could be found liable. Um, so, you know, businesses just really want to see the duty of care being changed in this country so that they can't always be found responsible in cases where they've actually got all the safety procedures in place. They have a good kind of um, health and safe, safety procedures in place as well, but yet they're, they're still liable to being sued. And I think, it's, you know, that really has to change if businesses in this country are to survive. There are some legal experts saying we may even need a referendum to, to tackle the, the, the huge awards being, being paid out and, and to rebalance the system. We have seen calls for that and, you know, even last week as well, we saw a woman actually brought a high court challenge trying to dismiss the constitutionality of the new guidelines brought in to try and reduce damages from minor personal injuries. A referendum, like some people might think it's a, a, a bit much and a bit dramatic, but, you know, I think if you speak to people in business at the moment, like they're really tearing their hair out with insurance costs and it really is closing a lot of businesses down and, and sometimes you need to take dramatic steps for, for something to finally change. Um, some people feel like, you know, just kind of reducing damage from minor personal injuries isn't going to have the dramatic effect that some might envisage, you know, because that's not going to stop people taking claims at the end of the day um, for, for stuff that might might be very kind of insignificant or minor. Um, but yeah, we, we, we saw with that High Court case last week that it was actually dismissed, you know, that the, they found that the new guidelines were constitutional and that they should be allowed to stay in place. But I think in the coming years, we're going to see a bit of pushback to, to some of the reforms that are being um, talked about and that have already been introduced. It's like I remember when I spoke to Michael McDool and he was obviously he's a barrister, but um, he was kind of instrumental in introducing the, the injuries board years ago. And he said that um, he, he lost a few a few friends in the legal profession because of it. Um, obviously, you know, personal injuries, it, it's a profitable business for, for a lot of people and it's uh, kind of the bread and butter for a lot of people in the legal profession. But then we have insurers making huge profits as well. Um, and like, you know, whenever there's a panel discussion about this on the radio, you have the talking heads from the insurance companies, you have the talking heads from the legal profession, and they're always pointing the finger at each other, but nothing ever gets done about it. Um, so I think the, the, the cynics out there might think that the, the both professions are, are kind of happy for this to keep motoring on because while one is blaming the other, issues are going to prevail instead of actually sitting down and trying to, to tackle the issues together. Um, and whatever about the the payouts, the costs, what about fraudulent claims? Do you think enough is being done there where claims being put in are, are patently being picked apart inside in court? I don't. Um, I definitely don't. You know, you read about these court cases where the judges deemed a claim to be fraudulent. And at the end of the case, they'll say, OK, well, I want this file directed to, to the director of public prosecutions now um, for this to be taken on further. But as Gardaí have highlighted, they often don't have the resources or the time to try and like, give this the attention that it deserves. So more often than not, um, these people who have brought fraudulent claims actually go unpunished, um, which is very disheartening. Um, like I remember three or four years ago, I went into a solicitor's firm undercover. Um, the firm in question had been advertising no win, no fee um, advertising, which which is actually prohibited by the Law Society. And I went in just to see what kind of advice they were given. Um, and, you know, what like one of the things that Sister said really kind of struck a chord with me. Um, she, she mentioned that, you know, in the past that they had fraudulent, um, had clients who brought fraudulent claims, but they didn't even get pursued for costs. 
Um, you know, so they were admitting that they had clients who brought fraudulent claims and saying, oh, look, they didn't even have to pay anything afterwards, you know. So these people are bringing these fraudulent claims. More often than not, they're not going to have to pay any costs because they'll claim that they don't have the money to do so. And very rarely they're going to be prosecuted for what they've done. And so we saw former Senator Padraig O'Kadig, he actually, you know, you know, worked really hard to try and get purge legislation kind of across the line so that people who are bringing these fraudulent claims can actually be, be tried for perjury um, and they can face, you know, fines of up to €100,000 or, or time in jail. Um, but it's not clear whether the perjury legislation has been used yet. You know, it's already been signed into law, um, but it's not it's not clear how often it's been used or whether it's been used at all. Um, and, you know, like there are a lot of fraudulent claims out there. I know we only read about the ones that make the headlines, but, you know, I've gone around to a lot of the kind of regional courts um, over the last year. And, you know, some of the cases that you come across, they're, they're quite quite eye opening um, and half of them aren't being published. So we don't even know about the, the full scale of it, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, it is an issue. And I, I don't think, unfortunately, there's much deterrence for, for fraudsters out there at the moment. Pat McDonough, compensation culture. What's your recent experience in Supermax with, with claims uh, being taken? Well, um, I suppose for the most part, things haven't changed. Supermax are probably in a better position because we're kind of now have the reputation to fight claims. So there wouldn't be maybe as many claims coming in uh, as there were. Uh, whereas maybe even in the likes of hotels or other businesses, there 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 would be equally as many. Really, in relation to the exaggerated or totally fraudulent claims, that um, uh, I'd say we have an issue with, and lots of the whether it's the Alliance for Insurance Reform or lots of businesses around the country still have a lot of issues with that. There's an opportunity there for the government to deal with this and deal with it once and for all. And, and I suppose I would be suggesting and saying that give the um, the PIAB or the Injuries Board um, more power, more authority to settle claims. Your own point of principle of, of fighting claims, do you think more businesses should go down that route or, or do you need to have the scale that you would have to do that? Well, you see... Uh, insurance companies prefer to settle claims. So they say, right, if we can assess this, we assess this claim for uh, 25000 And, you know, if it, if we take it to court, it's going to cost us maybe double that. And so therefore, we're not, we've no, even if we win, we've no way of getting our money back from the claimant. Because they have maybe nothing, they have nothing uh, to, to, to offer. So, Basically, that's what happens in lots of cases. That's why you have 98% of claims that aren't settled by PIAV are settled before they go to court. So it's only really 2% that goes into the courts. So we're only, we're only scratching the surface, really, in terms of what, what, what we know of. What about, from your perspective, now, I can recall precociously asking you questions about this in the late 90s and, and compensation claims and, and you, were, you were highlighting the issues at, at that point. Are you any more optimistic now than say you were 25, 30 years ago that we as a, as a nation are getting a handle on this issue? No, not really. And you see, like 
Why are premia so expensive in this country? And why are insurance companies that come in from abroad leaving the country within a year or two? And not too long ago, we had a situation where um, uh, the claim went to court. The judge uh, decided against us, even though the evidence I thought was pretty much in our favour. And the claimant got 16,000. And the reason they got 16,000, because it was a soft tissue injury, so it wasn't a big injury. First of all, it was based on the old um, award system. And secondly, the reason they got 16,000 was because there was circuit court costs involved. If they got 14,000, up to 15,000, I think, is the, is the district court award limit. If, if they got anything up to that, a circuit court costs can be anything from 15, 25, 30,000, 40,000. So, therefore, that's part of the game. From your own experience and, and, and talking to, to other businesses, have you noticed any change in recent times about the, the types of claims that are being taken? Or is it still the classic trips, slips, falls that, that, we're, that you're seeing going? Uh, look, there's, there's, there's various types of, 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 of claims. We wouldn't see as much as the, the slips, trips and falls, even though we do see them from time to time. Um, but what, we, what you, you would see is probably more employee liability claims coming through. Um, and those could be slightly different claims insofar as could be kind of, uh, what's known as repetitive injury or whatever. Um, and that's where you're doing the same work the whole time. And you, 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 you know, people allege that something may strain their back because of constant bending down or whatever. What would you recommend to other businesses that they do to, to protect themselves uh, against claims being taken against them or uh, defending themselves once they do happen? Yeah, well, the first thing is in, in, in any kind of a claim situation, you have to take the, um, the details of it from whoever is on duty. First of all, obviously, you make sure that the, the, the person that has uh, sustained the injury is okay that obviously that they get either treated there and then or that they're hospitalized or whatever the case may be. And then you obviously take the details of it. And if you have CCTV, great, you take a copy of that. Um, and you, then you can ascertain whether the, the claim is genuine or not. And based on that, um, you, you obviously, uh, decide, um, what, what more detail you need or whatever. And, um, a, then, as I say, the, the, the situation is if, if you are insured, you inform the insurance company straight away. But the important thing is to get all the detail of it straight away, whether it's witness statements, whether it's photographs, whether it's CCTV or whatever. You, you, you tell the insurance company or the broker that you want to be kept informed of what's happening in this case and that it's not to be settled without your uh, knowledge of it. Uh, because I've spoken to numerous people who uh, who have got surprised when they get their premium the following year and it's gone up by 20% or 25% or 50% in some cases. And they realize the claim has been settled and they never knew it. Instinctively, what is your view on people who take fraudulent claims? Um, look, <laughs> I, Emo I emotionally, my view on those. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I've changed my view on that. I I think they, these are being used as pawns in in a game that is not really to their benefit. But because they may be down the look or because uh, they may be in a, in a difficult situation, they may see that as as an opportunity to kind of get them out of it. And my thanks to Pat McDonough and earlier Amy Malloy. I'm Fiona Sheen, and today's episode was produced by Siobhan McGuire, researched by JJ Clark and Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from News Talk and RTE. If you enjoy the Inlaw Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. <laughs>